Okay. So welcome everyone to our very first, you know, it's the kickoff of our Lit Women series. That we've been waiting for so long um, for. So finally the time has arrived and I picked Barry to literally kick off this series. I found that she's so inspirational. I mean, we've had, um, I would say we have a little bit of a history because we kind of know each other from uh, a few years ago when I was a city director of NCSY and she also worked for NCSY. And uh, yeah, we met in one of the weekend retreats and she was one of the the most like popular, you know, mentor there. It was really cool <laughs> to connect with her then. Um, and then ever since, you know, we follow her on Instagram and I realized how inspiring she is. When she has a podcast, she'll tell us all about herself and her, I guess, life story and some struggles and other things. So I'm gonna let Barry take it away and uh, hopefully inspire us and tell us uh, about everything you wanna talk about tonight. Okay, well, first off, thank you for having me. Um, this is, during this time where, you know, social interaction is so limited, it's really beautiful that we can utilize technology to connect and inspire each other. So I find that really cool. Um, Shira and I know each other from when I was, I want to say 19. Yeah. So that's a, that's a little while ago. Um, I volunteered in Portland, Oregon. And yeah. as a Brooklyn girl, I refer to it as Oregon because that's what I thought, how you pronounce things. And I was so impressed with just, it, it was, it was unlike um, city life, you know, because I grew up in New York and I was like, what? You guys say hi to the mailman here? That's crazy. What is this place? And it's because I volunteered as an NTSY mentor while I was in college and grad school that had me curious about living outside of the tri-state area, which was basically my world um, until, until the point where I started volunteering for NTSY. And that's opened me up to, you know, after I got married, looking into other places and I moved back to the West Coast. And not only that, but I ended up, the, the organization that I volunteered for ended up being my employers for a couple of years. So that was pretty cool. Like the people who were these like amazing inspirational people. I mean, I'm like, I wanna be like them. And then I was, and I'm like, what am I doing here? Like, how am I allowed to be here? This is not, this is not okay. I like, it, 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 this system there was just so similar to even when I was a teen. I was a, I was a teen in NCSY in New York. Um, so it was just very cool to go through that cycle. And, and to be back with you, Shira, is really cool. So Thank you. Yeah. Likewise. So with that, my name is Barry Mitzman. I, like I said, I'm a Brooklyn native. I moved out to a place called Henderson, Nevada. I was involved in outreach for a few years. Uh, only then to have to stop uh, because of different uh, health issues. I had to take a step back from, from that physical type of exertion. Um, I met my husband at his rabbi's house. Um, if anyone has heard of Shabbat.com or the Akiva trip or uh, Rabbi Ben Sion Klatsko, he 
uh, introduced me to my husband at a Shabbat meal of 120 people. And he basically became my, you know, for all intents and purposes, father-in-law. His kids are like my siblings. um, And he was the one that helped us find resources to look at different communities. So a lot of where we are now um, is because of him. And so right now, I am a content creator on uh, Instagram. I have a podcast called The Woman of Valor Podcast. It features different Jewish women, possibly potentially men, I still haven't decided yet, um, addressing topics that apply to women of today. It's basically discussions between people that like I would want to hear myself, kind of like you can just grab a nice cup of coffee and just and just like listen in on somebody else's conversations, you know, discussing things like um, uh, chronic illness, mental illness, um, navigating singlehood, um, going through trauma, um, discussing belief in God and questioning God and all of these things. I've been blessed to be connected with so many amazing, incredible women that I've been able to feature on there. And recently I just got back into singing. Um, when, when I was younger, I was very into theater and choirs and it was something that I didn't know that there was an interest for in the Orthodox Jewish community. So I just stopped. And, you know, 10 years later, I decided that that was a huge piece of me that I wanted to reconnect with and being that my husband is a digital marketer and a web developer and like used to do video stuff you know while we were engaged that we could pay for furniture he did a bunch of videography stuff so having him in my corner uh, supporting me in doing this has made it much easier and much more streamlined i'm actually in the middle of working on some some uh, music projects right now and it's it's filling a piece of me that was void for a long time and it's exciting to be able to create. And that's, I think, part of how I've been healing. Um, Shira, do you want to ask something specific about that? Or should I just yeah, go I mean, into it? I mean, I would like you to elaborate a little more maybe about what were your struggles, you know, physically, mentally, and how, you know, from that you got to where you are now. What drove you to do that? What helped you? Right. So I'd like to change the question from what were to what were and still are my struggles because as developed and as much as I've progressed, there's still much that needs to be uh, worked on and healed. Mm -hmm. So when I was engaged Um, to my husband. So that was about five and a half years ago. I started feeling very ill and I was losing a lot of weight, um, undesired. And I started feeling fatigued and just, I didn't know what was wrong with me. And everyone's like, oh, it's fine. It's just the jitters. You're getting married. And, but you look amazing. So obviously when, you know, there's weight loss, you assume that it's wanted, which is a whole nother monster. Um, 
And I remember at our wedding being so sick. We don't have any pictures of our wedding here. We're actually working on creating, uh, it's our five-year anniversary soon. We're going to be redoing our wedding shoot. Wow, I've heard that actually. I don't know, yeah. you said that or I've heard it somewhere and I was like, wow, that's creative. I like yeah, that. I mean, two kids later. Uh, <laughs> it's, it's, I, I'm, I have such negative associations because of how sick I felt. Uh, most people didn't know. Uh, and a few weeks later, I was diagnosed with Lyme disease, which is an autoimmune disease wow. that exacerbates any pre-existing condition in you or even where some people will get bad headaches. Some people will struggle with learning. Some people will be in their wheelchair. It's very, very diverse. And these are words from my, from my Lyme specialist. These aren't things I'm just like pulling out of a hat. Mm -hmm. um, so for me, that entails, you know, fatigue and total body pain and depression and anxiety and loss of appetite and nausea and, and all of these wonderful, beautiful things that you never wish on your worst enemy. Mm. And I wish I could say that like we treated it and it, you know, went away, but it was, we treated some of it and some of it went away and some of it did not because when it comes to a tick-borne illness, it's not guaranteed that there's only one type of infection that you get. And it turns out that it's crazy because I realized this very recently, even before I, I knew that I was going to be speaking about this on here, Shira, mm -hmm. is that a lot of it, and I believe that a lot of my susceptibility to illness was due to this always being on high alert always thinking that you're only productive if there's like total tunnel vision and you're blocking everything out. And that's really your adrenaline response and your fight or flight type of response. And I've been living like that for a very long time. And when you do that, you, you suppress your immunity. You, you suppress your body's ability to function and heal if it is attacked. And we're, I think, you know, Five years later, at, at almost the end of the Lyme era, I'm hoping. Um, however, in between, I did have two children um, who are ridiculously adorable, and I am very happy that they are mine and they are squishy, except for at bedtime, then they're not as cute. They are just, they're my life, and during both of those pregnancies, I struggled with peripartum depression, meaning while I was still pregnant before, uh, before the babies arrived, I had very classic symptoms that would put me under the diagnosis of depression, you know, uh, disinterest in doing anything, you know, just sadness and just apathy and nothing was enjoyable. And I remember thinking like, I don't want to do this anymore. Like I thought like, I don't want to be pregnant anymore. And I'm just like, dude, you've wanted a baby since you were nine. Like this is, you need to get some help. Okay. And I told my husband because I've had periods in my life before that where I was depressed or when I had, uh, you know, episodic anxiety due to different situations in my life. And I told him, you know, if you see sort of these symptoms and you have reason to believe that I am depressed after I have the baby, you need to drag me to the doctor or to a psychiatrist and you need to get me on medication. 
turns out I needed it earlier than expected, but that was okay. And I'm thankful that, you know, by the time both of my bundles arrived, you know, my daughter who will be three in, I want to say like two weeks. And uh, my son, who's uh, almost 18 months, 17 months, actually, so cute. Um, I was able to really enjoy them, which is a blessing because, you know, hormones can do weird things to you. Um, it's not necessarily a sentence for anybody and it shouldn't be something scary. I just think in general, knowledge is power. And my therapist actually said something to me a couple of weeks ago. And I was relying heavily on this whole idea of diagnoses and, and, and mental illness and all of these things. And he was just like, can you stop for a second? And I was like, what, why? said, you're putting too much emphasis on this, this diagnosis. He's like, do you know what a diagnosis is? A diagnosis is simply a set of symptoms. Unlike health, there are, you can under, other than like, other than like physical health, physical health, you can usually find a culprit or they just throw it into like a mosh pit, kind of like um, fibromyalgia. That's my worst. That's my worst. You know how many times in my life I was diagnosed with fibromyalgia? It's like, we don't know what's wrong with you and you're having pain, so we're just going to tell you fibromyalgia. I'm like, no, thank you. It was like, you have Lyme disease. You have adrenal fatigue. You are malnourished. You are this. You are that. Like, let's figure out what it is rather than just being like, I don't know. So <laughs> he said that it's, with, with mental illness, it's just a cluster of symptoms. And you need to see it as that. It's not, it's not a life sentence. It's not, it's not as scary as people make it seem. And like, I, I love that I have the opportunity to be like, hey, my name's Barry Mitzman. I have a super hot husband and a beautiful children and a great job. And I'm able to do what I want. And I also suffer from chronic illness, mental illness, struggles, you know, and I think growing up, I always thought somebody with like mental illness looked like somebody who is unkept and just like, just always so sullen and like pathetic. You know what I mean? I'm going to say pathetic. Like you think somebody who has, who has mental illness is scary and pathetic and off. Ha ha ha. Look at me. Like, I hope I'm not scary and pathetic and off, but like uh, whether fortunate or not, you know, when I started sharing on social media and we'll get into the fact that I didn't start right yeah like I didn't start off on social media on social media I literally was working for NCSY and they're like here's an opportunity for you to apply for a grant of $250 for your professional development and my boss was like yeah you could just apply for whatever you want I'm like oh I really thought that that was just for like bigger people he's like no so I was like I think I need clothing I would like $250 toward clothing because if I'm going into Jewish culture clubs and it, they are going to see somebody who identifies with the Orthodox Jewish community and they don't look put together, how do you think they're going to think about Orthodox Jewish people? And they were, I was like, oh, and like maybe I'll share some stuff on Instagram. They were like, great, we can't wait for Instagram. Send us the receipts. Really, honestly, I was buying like oversized cute clothing because I was expecting at the time. So, so like my boss was like, what she gets, like, I didn't get my space on my Dropbox and she gets money for, for maternity clothing. I don't understand this. 
But once I, I got the hang of it and I was really good at it, I was taking pictures of me and then suddenly, you know, thank God, um, miraculously, I became pregnant with my daughter and I was taking cute pictures and whatever it is. And then she was born and I'm like, okay, I guess I have to keep this up. Three days after I had a baby, I was in full makeup and outfits taking pictures. Oh my goodness, you. (laughs) I was a moron. I was a moron. It's not something that I should have done. It was something I didn't know. Like, hi, your body just went through trauma. Like, you need to relax. Like, stay in bed. Don't move. And my second kid, I did not make that mistake. Mm -mm. (laughs) With my first, I didn't know what I was doing. (laughs) And I realized that I couldn't keep up with this expectation that I was creating on social media you know, mommy and me outfits and always smiling and laughing and looking so cute and ha ha ha. I was like dying on the inside. And it was horrible. And I'm like, I can't do this. Like I can't keep up. You know, I'm tired. I'm in pain. I'm sad. I'm, I'm lonely. I'm exhausted. Am I cut out for motherhood? Like, what did I even do here? And I started sharing that. It was kind of like, I took a picture in Whole Foods and I looked cute as heck. Okay. I'm telling you, I looked awesome. Nobody would have known the difference. And I was just like, just letting you know, it's 4.30 in the afternoon. And I took this picture and I got dressed 20 minutes before. And I had to make sure I got a picture because if not, I, that wires their proof that I have my life together. And I'm like, truth be told, I'm really not handling this well at all. And I can't keep up. So I'm just going to stop pretending like I can. And the reaction I got from women was like, thank you. And a few of them messaged me like, I was a little jealous and like concerned about like my competency as a woman because you seem to have it all together. And that's the drawback of social media is that I have friends who are big influencers in the Orthodox Jewish community. And like, yeah, I mean, you see, like, when you see that people have, like, you know, in the hundreds of thousands on social media, like, if somebody's past, like, 12K in the Orthodox Jewish community, they're, like, a celebrity in that niche market. So I have friends who are like that, and, and like, everybody has these, like, ideas about them. And I'm like, oh, honey, you don't want to live her life. <laughs> no, you don't. And I think that's one of, I mean, the benefit of, of social media, I try, to, I try to harness that and create some sort of camaraderie and normalcy um, and speak about things that, you know, I wished were spoken about when I was going through it or, you know, <clears throat> still I'm going through it. So just th- there are drawbacks, but it, it's about finding your people and making sure that you are surrounding yourself with the content that you wish to consume. Wow. Nobody's making you follow people that, that make you feel like a bad about yourself. Um, and some people you just like to follow because they make you angry. It's called a hate follow. My friend is a, is a, is a psych, uh, a, a mental health professional. She is one of those L QRST type of whatever's. Um, I have so most of my friends are in the mental health field. So I'm like L A B C D E F G. Like, I don't know. There's so many of them. Um, I think this one is a licensed mental health counselor and she talks about the hate follow and, and how much of a disservice it does to you. Less about the other person. They don't know that you're like talking about them. Be like, did you see the thing that she just said? It makes my blood boil. Like, why are you doing that to yourself? We have enough stuff going on. It's the world is basically canceled right now. And you're just going to like surround yourself with this, with this, with this just 
Oh, yeah. So muting people and unfollowing them is my jam. But um, yeah, my goal on there really is to just provide a sense, like I share what, what I can within my own boundaries and what I'm comfortable sharing for the purpose of letting other people know that they're not the only ones um, who are dealing with things like that. Like last night I shared that I ran myself into the ground physically because I didn't, um, I didn't recognize the need to slow down. My body was telling me like, stop, or like, don't get into a business relationship with this type of person, or don't say yes to this. Like your, your body's like giving you signals not to. And what it did was my body totally shut down. I have zero cortisol in my body right now. And if I tell you zero, I mean zero because at 9 a.m. when I got my blood drawn a few weeks ago, it was at 0.8 and that's not normal. Mm. And what that means is living on high alert all the time can literally run you into the ground. Like I, I can't really go anywhere right now due to, due to COVID-19, even with social distancing and all those things, being that I'm immunocompromised. I have to be very careful. But had I slowed down, I probably wouldn't be as immunocompromised. Had I slowed down, perhaps I wouldn't have contracted as serious of a case as Lyme disease that I did. Um, had I not run myself down, I probably would have been able to manage my emotions better. Um, it, it's crazy what your body can do to you um, and the importance of honoring it and, and, and maintaining it in a, in a healthy way of making sure that your emotional health, your mental health, your physical health are in line. I'm saying this so that I listen to this myself, um, but I also have the resources to help me. I'm working with a functional medicine doctor. I'm working with a, with a you know, health consultant to help me learn how to eat proper meals during the day. And by proper, I mean like not forgetting to eat until three o'clock in the afternoon. I mean like breakfast, lunch, dinner, hydration, some sort of movement. Um, making sure I have nutrients, sleeping, um, therapy, all of these types of things. Because if you're not, I know for myself, as somebody who's, who's striving to develop a wonderful, beautiful, wholesome relationship with God, I can't do that if, if my body isn't where it needs to be. I can't help other people if I can't get out of bed. And I can't be a great mother and wife if there's no energy or if, or if I'm feeling, uh, if I'm struggling with my mental health, it's, it's all intertwined the matter of, of taking care of the body so that you can, you know, do spiritual endeavors and taking care of it itself is a spiritual endeavor. And I'm on that journey right now and it's not easy, but I'm hoping that I'll look back, you know, at my, I'm at my five-year anniversary and I'm like my poor husband, like the, the, the struggles he's had to deal with with me. Um, the fact that he's still here, God bless. I'm hoping that, you know, by the time we get to our 10-year anniversary and we hopefully have those five-year anniversary wedding shoots up, I'm probably gonna be like, I hate that. I don't like the way I look, blah, blah, blah. But being able to feel good about how far I've come. Not that, that the work is over, but rather, you know, I've, I've gotten pretty far in that journey. I think that's, that's really important though. You know, when you mentioned the idea that you are looking at the progress that you've already done, because that's really encouraging. It's not like, oh my gosh, what else is there? Cause like, I'm not, I'm not reaching yet to like 
being perfect. None of us is perfect anyway. Um, but the idea of looking at the progress as, wow, this is amazing. Look where I've gone. Look what I've done, you know, in the past, whatever amount of years uh, to help myself to be more mindful, um, you know, listening to my body and all these things. Right. Are really, really important. So I love that you say that. It really touches the a strong point that I think is important um, for everyone. But when we talk about women, um, I feel like, and you probably would agree with me that, you know, in Judaism in general, women are very central in many ways. And we have a lot of obligations and responsibilities, whether it's to our families or leading or whatever it is. And so if we are not taking care of ourselves, if we are not listening to our bodies, our souls, and that's something that we need to touch on as well, because it's two different things that can sometimes, you know, conflict, but we need to understand and know how to do it. If we're able to work on ourselves and really, um, I would say, listen, like you said, listen to yourself and working on everything and advancing, we would be able to be there for other people, for our kids, for our spouse, for, for anything, you know, in life. Yeah. I mean, when I was discussing the idea of listening to my intuition, something that I believe that I, I don't know if it was self-taught or it was taught by people. I had like major authority issues as a kid and it was just like, no, like you can't do that. You can't feel this way. You can't whatever and just ignore it and just do whatever you're told to do. And with that, it's, I was speaking to somebody who is getting a doctorate in a holistic coaching Mm -hmm. Um, I don't even know what that means. It sounds fancy. He's done like all the Tony Robbins stuff. I'm like, great. So he and his wife took, took all these things and he was telling me the idea that what is intuition? What is your gut? Your gut is really that, that, that spiritual part of you, that gifts, that gifts from God, you know, um, you know, Tony Robbins says this in more of like a broader term, but, but for myself, the way, the way I internalized it is that it's that piece of God that was, that was given to us, that, that soul of ours that that's giving us, throwing us some bones, you know, it's like, maybe you don't want to do that, you know, and there are, there are instinctual things also built within us that sense danger, that sense, you know, you know, maybe you shouldn't do this. And I think it's important. Um, I do believe that women have that gift more than from what I've seen um, more than men do and being able to tap into that and use that um, because that will help with, you know, relationships, whether it's friendships or with a significant other um, or with family members or with God willing, you know, children, it's being able to, you, I for sure want to make sure my kids listen to their instinct and listen to their gut and their intuition, you know, not their intuition to be like, I really think I should be eating chocolate chips all day. No, not that one, but more of like, uh, if they're really not comfortable doing something and then there's like a fear, if you see them tensing up and getting nervous, it's like, why would I push a child past that? I, it's kind of, I've gotten to the point that now that I have children, I understand um, what it means to care about somebody like that and how I parent and then mirroring that for myself. Sometimes you need to parent yourself. Sometimes you need to be your own best friend um, because we are our own toughest critics. And I have been working on developing the tools to be more of my own best friend 
thank God I have some really amazing best friends um, or, or just, or just regular friends that are in the whole hierarchy. It's just, it's confusing. But having those people also help me take notes. Um, I have some really, really amazing friends that I look up to and I view as mentors. And the fact that they call me their friend, I'm just like, I don't understand how that happened. Um, and they, they'll tell me nice things about me. And I'll go, okay, if you think that about me, then I have some work to do. And it's encouraging. You know, you find the people though, whose opinions you really value based on valuable things, not just based on status or looks or, or, or social hierarchy, blah, blah. You know, having, having somebody whose opinion you truly value telling you how they see you can be an incredible motivation to try to look at yourself in a different way. And I want to look at myself the way my daughter looks at herself now. She is three years old. And every morning before she even gets to the mirror, she says, I'm so pretty. <laughs> and I'm like, yes, you are. And I'm like, are you smart? Yes. Who's so cute? Yes. Who's so smart? Yes. Who's the best? Yes. I's the best. I's the cute. You know, like, I, I never want that to get taken away from her. So I, I know that, that, that I kind of missed the boat on having that. But it doesn't mean that I can't have it again. Right. And that's some of the work that I'm doing is to, to get reacquainted to myself as I got lost in the expectation of others um, and prioritizing accomplishing for others rather than truly getting to know myself. And I think that's one of the reasons why I also hate my wedding pictures. I'm like, I didn't even remotely know who I was at that point. I didn't, I didn't know what type of dress I wanted. These are like the whatevers, but like in truth, it goes much bigger than that. I hate my dress. I hate my hair. I hate my earrings. How did I not know that I love yellow gold and I hate white gold and da da da? Like, I literally just got my ring reset because I'm like, I can't wear this. I don't like this ring. I love you very much, but I don't like this ring. My husband's like, okay, we'll get it reset. You know, you change, you evolve, and, and hopefully I'll, I'll, you know, like I said, in future years, I'll be like, who was I even then? But it, it, it just means that I'm on the path. I don't think. We should have New Year's resolutions. I think we should have, we should have systems um, and processes. So when I was trying to do like a backtrack of, of my year, like what I did this year, what my, my goals are for next year, they were basically the same thing because it was merely a continuation of the aspirations and visions that I had for myself that are more complicated than, you know, I'm going to make X amount of money or I'm going to have X amount of whatever, or I'm going to go on vacation to blah, blah. It's a, it's, it's a, it's a process. It's a system. I say blah, blah, because where are we going at this point? Like we're not going anywhere guys. So like, I can't even think about a vacation. This is not happening. You're like, Oh, I'm going to go to the living room, but I get dressed up. <laughs> but I think the, the, I'm very pleased with this, with this process of it not being a, a short-term goal, it being a long-term developmental journey that I'm on. And truth be told, a lot of those hard-hitting realizations and, and, and system settings happened in the past few months, um, and that was so hard. But I'm thankful for it. And I know that even though I'm still physically not in the most optimal place or Mentally, I still have some struggles I need to work through um, and, and receive the assistance from you know, my support system. I'm on the way. And I think that that's all I really need to know 
um, to get me to tomorrow and the next day. Right. Well, that's so inspiring. I mean, I, I just love hearing, you know, what you were saying, because I think it's so, um, so real, so honest, and that's what we need to hear, you know? It's, we have enough of um, pretending out there, and people don't even know what's behind scenes, what's behind pictures, what's behind anything, you know? And we kind of like paint these pictures about these people, and we don't know nothing, you know? Until you really, and, and never, I mean, it's never gonna happen. You really know what's happening with someone unless they're right. literally opening their whole life in front of you. Um, my, my question to you is, so how did you find, you know, where you're at and everything? How did you find the gut to really share the real you? I mean, that's a real, you know, struggle for many people to be real. How, how do you do this then? My husband, really? he's just like I when I like discuss the possibility I'm like maybe I should start sharing you know x y and z and he's like I think that'll help a lot of people and anytime I say you know should I broach this topic number one are you ready to share that um do you have the boundary set in place for you to make sure that you don't share more than you're comfortable and that you can stop people in their tracks when they're trying to ask information that you think is too, that that is overstepping. Um, and do you think this is going to help a lot of, if this is going to help somebody. Um, but usually he's like, I think this is going to help a lot of people. And I'm like, what do you know? It's not going to help anybody. And then I'm like, if it just helps one person and then there's like 30 people who are like feels or like, yes, or, you know, social media, the hearts and the emojis and the blah, blah. Um, yeah. It's just, it's, it's, whew. it's like, I'm, I'm talking about it. And I'm just like, this is my job here. Like, this is funny. Like some people are accountants and some people just emoji. I don't know. It's, it's strange. Um, the world is strange. And I mean, I make sure that I'm in a, I'm an okay place. I, I've, I've shared before I was ready before. And then when there's somebody who literally is a coward and I say coward because there's no real name, there's no real pictures and has never spoken to me before and then says something that's hitting me. I'm like, why is this bothering me? So I've, I've had to, I've have had to learn to be able to just like, know, like go through, like, am I comfortable saying this? Do I know that this is my truth? Am I going to be wavering in it? If somebody attacks me, like, what do I have set in place? Whatever it is. Right. And if I'm ready, and then I just do like as much as I do share on social media, there's like so much more that I don't. And, and it's yeah, just, that's what I was about to ask you. I mean, do you literally yeah. share like anything, you know, a real time or like you have to, you first process it, obviously figure it out. Like, Hey, what's going to be the purpose for this? You know, when it comes to heavier topics, it does have to be processed. I need to be thought out how to do it in the best possible way while being sensitive. Um, it's very difficult when you have a large platform, being that many people, not all, I'm very thankful that, you know, let's change that. Most people understand this, but there are people who don't understand that. Let's say you have 600 people in a class. That professor is going to say something and not all 600 people are going to be on board with what you're saying or necessarily agree. And it sometimes turns into like, a, oh, well, I want to argue that with you. And I'm like, I don't, I don't know who you are. 
Um, I'd prefer to spend time with my children. Um, if this is something you'd like to whatever, like please find a significant other or, or, or friend in your life, you know, to discuss this. Um, and I used to try to be accommodating to everybody and, and, and spend the time. And I'm like, I literally don't have time for myself and my kids. Like, okay. I, I, I can't, I can't do this. Like what's important to me? You know, so you, now, yeah. Now you, you mentioned the idea of like being everything to everybody or trying to accommodate everybody. That's a big, I mean, I, I think that's a big topic. That's something that yeah. we need to recognize. You can't be everything to everyone. Yeah. Well, I mean, I picked the wrong job being that that's my human. That's like, that's like who I was growing up trying to be that person to everybody. I really wanted everybody to like me. I really did. And I tried to do anything and everything to try to make everybody like me. And thank God I'm finally at a place where I'm like, if everybody likes me, then I'm not a real human being. And if people are mad at me, that's okay. And the people that I'm really interested, like, the ultimate being is, is, is God is, is the one I need to answer to. But other than that, you know, God, and then like my husband and my children, and then like my friends and mentors. And other than that, it's like someone like tries to send me, Oh, I don't think you should be promoting this because this and that, like about a friend of mine. And I'm like, I'm sorry, who are you? (laughs) And it just like ended the conversation because it's like, like, don't, don't come in and talk about my friends like that. Don't whatever. And I do think that social media, there are a lot of very lonely, hurt people out there. And it's very hard um, for a lot of people because sometimes their social skills in real life are struggling or they don't have the right support system and they need some sort of interaction. So coming to terms with the fact that like, okay, people are, you know, better that they take it out on me than on somebody that they actually love. But also I can't, I can't take that upon myself. and just creating boundaries in my work because it is my work. That's how I, that's how I like get money to pay for therapy or bills or whatever. But also work is not my ultimate goal. It's not my ultimate purpose. My ultimate purpose is becoming the best person I myself can become then it's being the best spouse that I can be. Then it's being the best mother that I can be. Then it's being the best friend I can be. And then it's being the best worker I can be. Wow. You know, like it, it, I need to reframe that all the time. And I need to remind myself of these things. You know, you gain clarity one day and then the other day you're like, what is life? It's, it's very hard. You like get these like amazing epiphanies and you're like, wow, I totally understand. And I'm like fired up. And the next day you're like, no, like what, what was I even thinking? And I think that's just one of the, one of the tests of life. And I've, I've been challenged a lot physically, mentally, emotionally, um, through different parts of my life, many that I have not shared publicly. Um, but the people that know me sometimes drop their jaws and they're like, how are you a normal functioning person? And I'm just like, I'm miracles. But when it, when it comes down to it, the pain that I'm suffering with right now and the mental health struggles I've suffered with have brought me to this point of self-development. Um, the anxiety that I, that, that I usually struggle with is, is when I'm not being, my needs are not met because I've put others ahead of my own. 
um, the depression taught me about unhealthy relationships that I had and when to, you know, stop turning the anger inward and blaming myself for other people's actions and feelings. And my physical health has taught me that my body really needs nurturing and I need to slow down and relearn to listen to it because it's here for a reason. And I, I can't be like, no, I'm going to push you to the brink because now I see what happens and it's just not smart. But I do see that, that all of these struggles that I had and that I continue to have, though, though if I had the choice as to whether to have them or not, I probably would say no. But being that I have them, I, I do see how they've helped mold me into the person that I am today. And, and I do see how, how it's helped my character, which I do think is the ultimate goal of being here, is just to become a better person than you were the day before. And it's been doing that. But, you know, hopefully I'll gain the tools to be able to do that and be healthy. So cheers to that. Yeah, I'm into that. <laughs> That's beautiful. I mean, my last thing before I want to open to some questions, um, I was just wondering, as you were talking, as I'm wondering, do you have like a highlight or a story or something that, you know, someone reached out to you and told you, oh my gosh, you like inspired me, like you helped me in this and that or something specific? I mean, I'm sure many people reach out to you, but do you have anything that sticks out and like you were inspired even by your own self? Um, it's happened. I mean, I've, I've been, I've been in this Instagram game. It is a game and it's just whatever, but I, I try to do my own thing as much as possible. Um, be on when I can not be on when I can't or share about being on and not being able to be on who knows it's, it's all, it's all confusing. But most recently I've had two women contact me. I think it was in the past two days telling me that the resources that I've shared um, in regard to finding therapists and dealing with mental health, they were be able to schedule their first therapy session or went to their first therapy session, you know, this week because of the resources that I've shared. Um, you know, there's, there, there are some incredible Jewish organizations that advocate for mental health. The two that they discussed were OK Clarity, which is an online database of different, you know, Jewish therapists in the community, and Amudim, which mm-hmm. helps um, Jewish individuals struggling with with addiction and mental health um, struggles. And they do cases. They volunteer to to help people find the treatment that they need um, free of charge. And help them find whatever it is that they're that they're looking for, and help them set up, you know, crowdfunding campaigns if they if they do need it. And I've you know advocated for them because of my own passion, and and thankfully, you know, people were able to benefit from it. And that just makes me think, oh, okay, like I did something good today, like great, you know, like that that in case I'm ever in like a in a tough spot thinking of myself or what I did or what I didn't do. It's like, you know, but I helped, you know, so-and-so get what she needed or, you know, my, my kid's happy today. So like, at least I did something. They, they had cereal. It's fine. Um, wow. 
That's that's definitely really uh, inspiring. It, it makes you probably feel good that you're able to help people. You know, many people want to be able to help people, but they don't know how. Uh, it's not always with money. You know, it's sometimes with advice, with being open, with sharing things, with educating about your own experiences, which can be hard. I understand. I mean, it's hard to be vulnerable and open. Uh, but like you said, within the boundaries that you set for yourself, um, you're sharing, and that's something that you can help other people. And you I don't think God. I don't think God put me on this world so that I could just suffer by myself and not tell anybody about it. That's a great way to look at it, you know? So it's gotten to the point where I'm just so used to it that it's like people are like, oh, if you, you know, what do you share on social media? Whatever you feel comfortable saying at a dinner party. I'm like, that's tough because there's so much I'm comfortable saying at a dinner party. And it's like, oh, you know, in passing, and it's like, oh, da-da-da-da, you're so thin. It's like, oh, thank you so much. I'm struggling with malnourishment. I appreciate that, you know? And they're just like, <laughs> or they, like, yeah, that's very... again. they didn't expect the answer you know yeah or like oh you're so thin what's your secret oh mental illness chronic illness and you know all of that and they're just like they're like well at least you look good i'm like hi thanks um it's, oh it just brings more awareness and sensitivity um which which i'm happy to do and you know better me get uncomfortable than other people but i'm at the point where it's just like Mental illness is so common that it's just like, get over yourself with this whole stigma garbage. Like, come on, you're going to be mad that somebody, you know, has the flu. Like, how could you possibly have the flu? Somebody like you? Like, <laughs> yeah, it happens. Get yeah. over it. I have yeah. a life. Like, I'm not a hopeless case and you're not either. Okay. Right. No, I mean, it's, it's very true. And the fact that you can even help people, you know, the, specifically those two women, the women that will be going to their therapy session you know working with people like for the past eight years we've realized you know many 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 people and it's it's a jewish saying as well that when you recognize that there's a pro the problem it's halfway to the solution when you don't even recognize that you have a problem or like that you need something to you know there's something that you need to work on or grow in that specific area you'll never change you'll never grow you'll never do anything about it so no solution because from your point of view there's no problem but when there is a problem and you recognize it it's at least halfway to the solution so what we realize a lot of the times that people don't really see themselves they're always so busy to look at everyone else but sometimes it really starts with you it really starts with maybe maybe you're having all these whatever is happening in your life because there's certain things that maybe you need to work on I'm not saying everything. Let's put it this way. There's a lot of things yeah, that are no. not under our control. And I'm not yeah. talking about this. I'm talking about certain things that's to do with us. You know, the way we are, the way we can work on ourselves. You know, if someone needs a professional, you know, help, they should be seeking that um, and not neglecting themselves for the long run if they really yeah. want to help themselves. Um, wow, that was really beautiful. I'd like to open to some questions. Hopefully anyone here has some questions to you or anything to add to what you were um, speaking. Um, anyone, please, uh, ladies, you can, yeah, please, uh, you know, unmute yourself. This is no formal thing, <laughs> you know, just hop in. You were, um, I mean, speaking to my heart because I've struggled with mental illness and I'm um, just finishing my master's in clinical psychology and wow, I got to that point where 
I had used to, I was so like bogged down by stress and anxiety of trying to live for other people and live this idea of, it wasn't even like, my family never put pressure on me. My parents were always like, you get a C, if it was your best, no problem. Like, but somehow I had internalized this idea that I was always having to be this person for everyone else. And um, and it was crippling. It was completely, I used to be so anxious. I'd have like social anxiety. If I said a little word, I'm sure you know, like rumination. I used to like play yeah. it over my head and be like, oh my gosh, I said this. And like, people must think I'm so weird and you know, whatever that is. And I had a big change um, that flipped my life upside down and taught me how to just be okay and be happy with myself. And I haven't had any issues with rumination or, and I've helped a lot of people having clients now and in this clinic that I volunteer at. Um, I'm like, so when you're saying all these things, I was like, I felt it because I think a lot of women, we don't talk about it and we have that pressure throughout our lives. And then either it clicks that we need to change something or we live through it. You know, our whole lives, people just continue to shrink a little bit um, instead of just be proud and be able to speak about anything. And so when you said like, what would you talk about at a dinner table? I'm like, I'm the same way. There's a lot of stuff I won't like, I'll just go for it. I'm like, good luck. Um, so that was wonderful. It's nice that to know that you're representing the community and, and kind of giving a different face to the community too, a different dimension that I think is really necessary. Yeah. I mean, I'm thankful that I have, I have a, a group of friends on social media who do identify as, you know, being observant um, Jews, the way, the way, you know, we dress or, or act in different things vastly differs, but a lot of them have opened up the floor to some very, very important topics um, and has shed light on, you know, being more open about normalizing struggles and, and dispelling this, this idea that there is a superwoman or, you know, this, this unrealistic expectation. So I'm, I'm really blessed to have that, you know, core group of people on social media who are kind of dispelling some of that. But I also have the friends who want to just show that perfect persona because they just like pretty things. And they're like, I don't want to share on social media. That's not where I share. I share in my therapist's office. I share with my friends. I share with my mom. Um, and it's just not for me. And I'm like, great, good for you. You know what you're comfortable with. And you don't have to share. Nobody's making you. And if people are trying to make you, then, you know, like, well, you don't need them. And, and sometimes, you know, I do think that we need that escape, especially in today's world climate. Like, it's like, I'm like, swipe, advocacy, swipe, <laughs> conspiracy theory, swipe. Ooh, pretty dresses. You know? <laughs> like, Brown says, there's no courage without vulnerability. And I think that's what you embody is courage because you have the strength to say, I can be vulnerable. I have these different parts of me. I'm not always, I'm going to look beautiful. And yet I just put on my pajamas at 5 PM so I could look beautiful for the photo. And then they're, you know, <laughs> or whatever I put on my clothes. You know what I mean? Yep. Um, it's that's, that's brave. And I don't think a lot of people um, feel comfortable doing that. So it's nice to see and I think for mothers, I mean, I'm not a mother yet, but I think that that's huge to be able to actually say like, Hey, today was tough. 
my kids were tough today. This was an easy. Um, oh yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I, no, I'm a nanny, but uh, but I'm, we see a lot of a lot of good examples of mothers, so we're lucky. Like Shira's our uh, our example for sure. Well, and I hate it when people tell me, hey, how do you keep everything all so put together and everything? Really? And I'm, my answer is like, well, I try, but it's not really, it's not so simple if you think about it. You weren't here like five minutes ago when like the house was upside down and screaming like, I don't know where, and everyone's fighting. And I'm like, okay, I'm running out. You know, I'm, I'm not here. <laughs> don't come to me. <laughs> we see you with not a hair out of place and perfect with the kids all dressed beautifully and the not best <laughs> the best food, but we don't see all the, right. it's a lot of work. We know it's a lot of work because yeah. we can't imagine, but. Um. <laughs> <laughs> no, that's why, I mean, it, I love the fact that Barry is, you know, she has, and that's what I mentioned at the beginning. She has this, you know, real thing, you know, she's on Instagram a lot and she shares, I feel like what people should be seeing, not just mm -hmm. these perfect images that are not, it's no one's life. No one lives that life. It's not real. I mean, I love the, the perfect images, but like I always put them with captions that aren't so perfect. Right. Yeah, <laughs> no, that, that's fine. <laughs> Very for showing that side. Like I love seeing, and I know people are now posting it, even celebrities, it's like Instagram versus reality. And it's all about angle. And I just love seeing those because it's like, oh, okay. They actually have like human bodies. They're not, yeah. <laughs> they don't have 0% body fat like it looks like, you know? Yeah. yeah, it's not necessarily that people are happy People, uh, one of the things I, I wanted to make as like a, one of those graphics, you know, all these graphics are all over social, but it was like, I'm not perfect. I'm just good at my job um, because there are new people that come onto my thing and I'll just like take a, I literally bring a blanket to therapy and like I joke about it every, every time I go, I bring my blankie, my friend makes the most delicious blankets and I bring it with me and I like make myself comfortable and people are like, you go to therapy, but like, you seem so perfect. I'm like, scroll throw my feed <laughs> not here to remind everyone every day like it's just no thank you but it's okay and people unfortunately they see what they want to see and assume what they want to assume and it's also not my job to to prove my imperfection to everyone I think there's like this this kind of like okay but we're also human um, and sometimes people won't accept that and that's not your problem Exactly. Mary, yeah. I have a question. Um, yeah. I, first of all, thank you so much for everything you've said. You are an absolute rock star, and I love your Instagram. Thank um, yeah. <laughs> follow her if you're not following her. I'm going to follow you on Instagram. I know. I told my best friend that you were speaking tonight, and she's really jealous. <laughs> she's not a part of this at all. Um, but I have a question. So I, um, I know that like all, most of my friends go to therapy and they all just rave about their therapist and how helpful therapy is. And I have tried seeing too many therapist accounts and all of them had like great reviews. A lot of them are recommended by friends and I've never, uh, seen a therapist who has been able to tell me something that I haven't already figured out on my own or put things into a perspective that I hadn't already thought of. And I, it's kind of like, I, it's a blessing and a curse um, that I feel like I 
I somehow could already like come to a lot of conclusions by myself, but I'm not always so willing to take action on what I need to do. Um, so I was wondering if you have like any experience in that or like in cases like that, finding the right therapist. Right. So I mean, I always make this disclaimer. I am no professional, but I will throw my husband under the bus and have him be the example. My husband is extremely intimidating to people who don't know him. He's literally, children are obsessed with him and adults who really have like are not straightforward people like are genuinely afraid of him because he can spot authenticity from like a mile away and if like you are unjust he like wants nothing to do with you um and it's like my therapist is like doesn't understand how i married somebody like him being that i'm like the total complete opposite and he's like no i don't need you like me i don't care and all these kids are like i love you and i'm just like i don't get it but he came in with a very set goal of like, this is what I want to accomplish. This is where I'm at. This is what I need to, whatever, you know, I have this struggle. I want to get married. Like I need to work on this to make sure it's not a problem. And most people that he went to turned him away because it's like, you're out of my wheelhouse until he found somebody who I believe to be a coach right. who sometimes a, it depends on the type of therapy you wish to have, I know myself, I'm going to a specific, I'm going to a trauma-based therapist um, due to traumas that I didn't deal with. And, and there were some therapists that I went to that I thought were so good. And then in hindsight, I'm like, that was a conflict of interest. That was just a waste of money. How did they not see these glaring issues and intervene with them? Like, what is happening? Um, I, I had a conversation with my therapist last week and I was like, is there a point in me coming here? Like, or am I just going to become one of your projects? Is just going to stay here? Like, I don't, I have friends. I don't need to just talk to you about things. And he was like, okay, well then we need to make a list and we need to see if it's, if, it's, if this is someplace that you want to be or, or if you need it, you know, I, I don't want to keep you here if, if you don't need this. So sometimes, sometimes, you know, it, it's a challenge to find the right therapist Sometimes you need more of a coach. Sometimes you need more of a different modality of therapy, whether it's, you know, I'm just, I just dabbled in a little bit of somatic experience, which is so weird to me, but I love it. You're like getting in tune with your body and like envisioning colors and, and textures in your body. And I'm like, what is happening right now? But it was really cool. I'm like, okay. You know, I, I looked into meditation and like, the meditation and calming of the mind and slowing the thoughts has helped me come to realizations that I haven't in, in over two decades of like trying to you know, figure these things out. And it just, you have to find what modality, what process, you know, works for you. And unfortunately, sometimes that's trial and error. And other times it's more of just like sitting down, thinking about what your goals are and how you best receive information and how you're best incentivized to, you know, accomplish the change that you wish to make. It's a little bit analytical, but it also involves a lot of self-awareness and self-awareness is something that I did not have for a long time because I couldn't focus on the self if I'm focusing on focusing on everybody else. Um, and as much as I know now, I'm sure that it's like a fraction of what I need to, but at least, you know, it, it's the process has begun and I'm super thankful for that. And thanks for your nice words. That was so nice of you. Say hi to your friends. Thank me. you. I will. Thank you. That's beautiful. Well, thank you so much, Becca, for asking and, and Barry for answering. Anyone else wants to 
hop in, ask, or add anything tonight. Let's see who else is. I have a question. Yeah, hi, Odelia. I didn't even say hi. So, hi now. I miss you. <laughs> so Thank nice you to so see you. Thank you for having this. Thank you, Gary, for coming and talking to us. Um, so, I have a question. As you were going through the whole Lyme disease, depression, what were you expecting from your friends and family? How could they help you that you wanted them to help you? So, a lot of them didn't do what I would have wanted. Um, and there were times where I didn't have the emotional or physical energy to like correct them. You know, people being like, well, you know, it's so good that you caught this now because I know somebody who's like second cousins twice removed previous dog owner who had it. And like, they like didn't know for 10 years. So like, thank God. And I'm just like, we need to go. We need, we need to go. Or, you know, people not being there in the way I needed them to at the same time. I didn't know how I needed them to be there for me. So it was more of figuring out what I needed and saying yes, um, which was very hard for me. I was somebody who was not into the taking and all into the giving. And like, I couldn't buy myself a coffee unless I knew that somebody else was coming and I was treating them. Cause like, why do I deserve something special? If like, I'm not like, doesn't make sense. If I'm going to get something, I'm going to get something like for somebody else. I'm like, Oh, I'll happen to get it for me. So like that was a problem when I was like 18 that like I started buying myself just like coffees. But at the same time, it was part of a much bigger picture of like, I need to be okay with giving to myself and allowing other people to give to me. At this point, every time I go to Trader Joe's, hi, can I please have somebody help me carry my bags to my car? Because you know, I'm not only having two bags and you know, I don't want to put them in the car. I'm a fragile little person. I, I like, it was hard enough lifting, you know, the squash into my cart, you know, can I help? Can I like, what do you need? I'm hungry. Can I bring dinner? Yes, please. I need a massage. I'm not good at massage. What else can I do? <laughs> Call me on the phone. Okay, great. Um, and you trial and error because people say like, how can I be there for you? And you say, well, actually this, and I'll be like, oh, I can't. And it's like, okay, then I'm not going to ask you again. But those who say, you know, I can't, but I'd like to do this or sure. I'll be there in five minutes. Those are the people that I'd be comfortable asking and knowing that if when they're in a pickle or when they're in another situation, they know that I'm going to be there for them. So I have friends who say, how can I be there for you? Instead of being like, oh, I'm just going to pop by and announce to visit you because it's going to make me feel better. It's more of like, a, like when my friends want to talk to me about something, I ask them, I'm like, do you want to problem solve or do you want me to listen? Because if I do the wrong thing, then it's just going to be completely unfulfilling and unsatisfying for them. So I need to do that for myself as well. And it's like, it's more of a self-awareness of like, what do you need during this time? Do you need somebody to send you something funny? Do you need somebody to drop off a meal? Do you need somebody to, you know, carry your bags out to the car? It just really depends on where you're at and what you need and how much you've worked on being able to accept um, from others, but also the uh, ability to stand up for yourself and be like, yeah, I don't need that right now. Like, I couldn't say like, that was a horrible thing to say and shame on you. I was just like, I'm going to leave now and go cry for like two hours in my bed. Poor husband of mine. Um, God bless him. Uh, if you go on Instagram, you'll see him. You'll be like, wow, she's lucky. <laughs> I'm obsessed with him. <laughs> no big deal. <laughs> But, but God really knew what he was doing when, when, when he set us up. I dated, you know, 40 some odd guys before him. And I'm, I'm happy that I didn't stick around for any of those guys. 
Um, he let me crash his car into a cop car. He didn't get mad at me after our first date through a snowstorm. So he's pretty okay. I'll keep him. <laughs> wow, Barry, you're like, you're a rock star. I, mean, I just I, don't I stop talking. That. I think that's the thing. It's no, I love it. Come out. <laughs> I love it. I love it. And I like the idea that you said, um, you know, in regards to what Odelia was asking, you know, also to learn to accept, you know, I think it's, it's a hard thing for quite a few people, you know, it's always, you're used to giving, 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 but you're not used to receiving. You're not used to saying, yes, thank you. I mean, I would appreciate it. I learned it the hard way. I mean, I know that the whole, my whole five years of working with people and doing what we do now, I never liked asking for someone to help. Never. I mean, if someone would offer help, I would think it's rude to say yes. So like you just say like, no, it's okay. But it wasn't okay. I mean, <laughs> you know, there's a lot of work. And I remember Rabbi Jack, my husband was telling me, why did you say no? I mean, you, you do need the help, don't you? I mean, you're cooking for like 100 people. They're offering to help you and you say no. Like, where, where is the logic? And then, you know, over time, I kind of learned to wow, I mean, it's not that bad. And in fact, I found that it's even better because like, at least with what I do, you, you get people to be invested even in the community that they're building and the family that they're building. So it's even better. Um, and then I found that I say, yes, I gain from it. You know, not only that it's, you know, helpful and everything, but people are coming in, people are loving it and feeling part of the, uh, the cause, you know, when they people are- want to help. And when they, they want to help and you keep rejecting it, you're doing a disservice to them. Exactly. It's, 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 you know, saying yes, it's as much as you like to give, yes, other people exactly. like to give too. And you're not providing them with the opportunity to do so. It's, it's hurtful sometimes. Yeah. But we talk about it in relationships as well. I mean, part of me giving is accepting, is taking. You know, we talk about it a lot, you know, between husband and wife, whatever, friendships, all the things. If you're not able to be a person that also takes sometimes, you're not letting the other person to give. So you're blocking something here, which is pretty basic and should be happening. Um, yeah, no, so I, I connected to that. I definitely like that. And another thing to add, I find that a lot of the times people don't necessarily think of what you need. They want to help. So they think they know what you want. So they just come up with, here, I'll do this for you, but... Who said that's what I want? Who said that's that comes what I need? into the Gary Chapman concept yeah. of, of love languages, which my husband gave me that book on our second date because he thought I'd be interested in it. And I was like, oh, no wonder nobody goes out with you after the second date. Um, that was like his streak. <laughs> um, but I loved it. And it was it, it, it taught me, you know, like just because this is the way that you feel loved and appreciate love is not the same way right. that other people do. Exactly. And it's like some people like gifts, some people like quality time, sometimes pe people like to be praised, you know, mm -hmm. it, it's, there's just, there's different ways. And it, it was just one of our books that we read. I thought my love language was one thing. And then like, now I look at it and I'm like, not even close. I thought my love language, like, love language was acts of service. Like people just doing services for me. And then I realized mm -hmm. like, no, like sometimes I like deserve for people to do things for me because I'm a good person to them and whatever, really, I just want people's attention. And like, I want quality time with them. And I want to know that, that they vow that they'll invest their time and attention into me. Right. Um, that's like the thing that I find most valuable. My husband's like, love languages don't change. I was like, well, I did. So 
<laughs> yeah, I have, I have a lot to say about love languages because actually after really looking into it and working with so many people and people that are married, people that are in relationships, um, I do think, you know, honestly, that every person needs everything. It's all the languages. It's just depending on timing in life and at the right time, you know. So you know, there's no such a thing that a person doesn't like um, a woman doesn't like attention in the right way from her spouse. I, I don't believe right. that that's a thing, you know, so, or right. whatever it is, some things are more felt and like she knows and she can identify with and some things are less or hidden, but I still believe that all of us need everything. It's just measurements are different. Do you get right. what I'm saying? Yeah. Yes. And, and things can change obviously depending on the time and period and whatever we are in life and all that but um yeah yeah i i like that you mentioned that so anyone else would like to share anything else before we wrap up tonight i don't want to keep you all um past the time i just see the time I'm like whoa quarter to ten we never even thought it's gonna take that long but i'm glad it did it did because that means um it's good that means that we're able to discuss things and open up things that wouldn't i mean you can tell shira what you really think when when i when i sign up well, I think it's going to be the same thing, but I'll... Okay, uh, we'll see. We'll see. Okay, I'll filter out the feedback. <laughs> <laughs> so, anyone else would like to share anything else before we are um, wrapping up? I was going to say, I really like um, the point of asking someone instead of assuming what you can do to help. Is what can I do to help? And then accepting, if they say nothing, then accepting nothing or just accepting their answer. Because I think it's important for us to realize that too, that sometimes not helping is helping them. Yeah, I think some people don't get that either. Like I, I asked like a whole question on my social media of like, if your friend could do something for you during a tough time, it's like, give me space, call me, <laughs> send me food, leave me alone. Like, it's like very, so, so my, my thing with my friends, when they tell me about things, it's the response is, how can I be here for you? Exactly. Yeah. And the answer is always different depending on the person. Mm-hmm. And, and that's it. But yeah, that was a process also of figuring out. Like not everyone likes the same things you like. Not everyone's going to act the same way you act. Not everyone needs the same things you need. And again, as Shira was saying, it's kind of in the moment, like different things. Like sometimes you need space and then sometimes it's like, well, just call me after. Like give me a time and then call me. Exactly. Yeah. I mean, we're human beings. I don't think that's what yeah. I'm saying. I mean, we're not machines, so we're, we're not set to be the same our whole life. You know, we, we have periods of times and hormones and different things that we just, uh, different. <laughs> Every day can be different, you know? So um, it's depending on the situation. That's why it's good to ask the person, how can I be here for you? What can <laughs> I do for you? Not like what I think I should be doing for you, which I think is really important. It's the understanding. Um, wow, that was beautiful. Thank you, Barry, so thank much you. for spending time with Barry, us. Barry, thank you so much. Um, yes. Welcome.